My Car Guru, episode 226. Welcome to this edition of My Car Guru. I'm Lenny Lawson, and I am a real live new car dealer with a twist. I do tell it like it is, and my primary mission is to improve your car life. And I've used that terminology for a couple years now because when I started thinking about the lives that we lead and the experiences that we have and the things that make living possible in modern society, if our cars aren't working, if, our, if we buy the wrong vehicle, if we pay too much for it, uh, if it is not dependable, then it affects our overall life. And, and we live a lot of our lives in our cars, don't we? When you think about the time that you spend commuting, taking your kids to school, going on vacations, driving around, looking at the leaves and the, you know, the beautiful parts of this country, yeah, the car is an important part of our life just like the horse was back in the old days. So, yeah, I want to improve your car life. I want to make buying it easier give you the tools that you need to be able to go in and negotiate with somebody, uh, a, a new car salesperson or his manager who are professionals at negotiating. They've seen it all. They've talked to every different type of customer with every type of need. They've heard every excuse for not buying. Uh, they've learned, they go to classes to learn how to overcome specific types of objections. Like if you say, well, I want to think about it or I need to talk to my wife, or I need to check on the insurance, or I don't like the color. You know, or all these potential objections that, that people can have. Well, salespeople are trained how to overcome those with words and logic and uh, sometimes ur- a sense of urgency. Have you ever felt pressured to buy something? Nobody likes that feeling, but many people succumb to it. And what I do is try to teach you how uh, the reasons why you shouldn't succumb to it, the reasons why you should not even give the salesperson an opportunity to pressure you. So there's that aspect of your car life. Also, uh, the, the service aspect, you know, the, the maintenance and the repairs and all the different things that we go through. I try to educate folks on how to handle that and what some of this stuff means. You know, it, it is so important to know your car, certain basic things. We've talked about understanding how the braking system works, the different components, what keeps your car cool, what makes the heat work. You know, some of this stuff you may say, well, I don't need to know that. Well, you do if you go into a shop and they tell you you need to replace this or that, and it's going to cost $1,500, and you don't have a clue. So if you listen on a regular basis, you will pick up things that uh, will benefit you. But one of the most important things, like I say, is to read your owner's manual and understand how your car works and understand the basics um, that will lead to a better car life and a more reliable automobile. How often should you replace your battery? Uh, When are tires really worn out? What is the difference between a tire balance issue and an alignment issue? All of these things go on when you go into the shop, but they don't happen that often, so you don't really think about it. You think about it when you have an issue. You know, it's just like if you back in the old days, if the horse all of a sudden started limping, well, there was a problem. You had to fix it. You couldn't keep riding that horse uh, because you could do more damage. Anybody that knew anything about horses at that time, well, it's the same thing now, except it, it's with your car, and you need to understand certain basic things so that you don't get ripped off. And I believe that if you go to a dealership, that a new car dealership, that sells your vehicle, and uh, they understand all the things that need to be done to it and when, 
that you'll be better off overall. Now, will it cost you a little bit more money to maintain your vehicle at a new car dealership? Probably. Um, not always, but more than likely it will be because typically their labor rates are higher. That's their uh, the actual charge that they, well, what they charge you per hour of labor. So if a job, if their labor rate is $130 an hour and, and the job that they're, they're doing in the labor time guide says that it pays two hours, then the labor on that particular job is going to be $260 plus whatever the parts are and supplies that they use. So it's understanding uh, how all of that works is important. It's not something you encounter very often, but it is something that you will encounter and can have a major impact on your budget. So those are the kind of things that we're going to be doing with what's left of this year and into the coming year. So hopefully there will be some information that you can use and pass on to somebody else. You know, this is also reproduced as a podcast. It's available on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts. You can even get to it through Amazon. All you have to do is go to the search bar and uh, type in My Car Guru, and you will it'll pop up for you. You'll see um, my logo, which is a crystal ball that has two hands on it, and it says My Car Guru on the front of it. Could have put a picture of myself, but I didn't want to scare that many people off. And with that, I'll be back in just a minute. Okay, so as a Ford dealer, I had to make a decision whether or not I was going to sell EVs. I kind of left y'all hanging out there for a while, but I decided to be a participant. And so I'm going to have to install a DC supercharger, fast charger. I was looking online the other day, uh, like, for example, if I were to drive to Atlanta, uh, how many DC's uh, fast superchargers, level three chargers is what they are referred to as. Basically, they'll charge your car in about 40 minutes to an hour. Uh, How many of them are there in Atlanta? Not many. Now, there are a lot of level two chargers, but a level two charger is going to be something that will take eight hours to charge your vehicle if it's, you know, totally out. Now, you can sit there for an hour and maybe get 20 miles of additional range if, if you need it. You know, I've been also investigating is, can I buy a generator? You know, it's like a, those little Honda generators that they sell at Honda stores or Honda motorcycle stores. <clears throat> can I buy a generator and use that to charge my electric vehicle? Well, you can. You just can't buy any generator. It has to be a particular type of generator. So before you, if you buy an electric vehicle, don't count on that. You might have to spend another, you know, maybe two or $3,000 for the kind of generator that it would take to charge your electric vehicle. Because your electric vehicle will just ignore it if it doesn't have the right kind of uh, setup. So anyway, think about that. But 65% of all Ford dealers agreed to sell EVs. So out of about 3,000 Ford dealers, 1,920 dealers, like me, uh, decided to participate in Ford's Model E program. That means we'll be able to sell uh, electric vehicles. And we, in order to be able to do that, we have to be able to work on them, and people need to be able to go to our dealership and charge on a Level 3 charger. So I've got to uh, spend the money to install that sucker. Not real excited about it, but I've decided to do it, so... Anyway, Buick and uh, Cadillac dealers, they weren't even given a choice um, if they wanted to participate in their EV program or not. Buick and Cadillac dealers had to either decide to install the equipment and participate or get bought out by the manufacturer. 
there was no plan B or C. So uh, that that was not what Ford chose to do. Ford said, okay, if you want to just sell internal combustion engines, you can, but you won't be able to sell any electric vehicles. And so I just decided in my community, my size town and Upper East Tennessee where we live, that uh, it made sense for me to to do that. So I'm going to be an EV dealer. Um, speaking of EVs, I ordered one. I ordered a Lightning. I, I mentioned this the other day for myself, and I, I have decided, well, I also ordered a Power Boost, which is a 3.5-liter EcoBoost hybrid. So it you know runs on battery power. It gets 24 miles to the gallon, technically, around town and 24 miles per gallon, technically, on the highway. They really don't get that. They get close, but you know, close, you don't win the cigar. So I had to make a decision. Am I going to uh, go full EV or am I going to go hybrid? Decided to go hybrid. I do pull a camper, so that was a consideration. I'm just not willing to be beholden to the charging network yet. So I'm going to sell that lightning to somebody probably that lives in New York or California because that's where most of the EVs are being sold. And they have better charging infrastructure there as well. So anyway, my just to give you an idea what it's like to order a vehicle these days, I did order my uh, Power Boost F-150 back on, let's see, they opened up the orders of the reservations on 8-3-22. That was the date that I went ahead and placed my order. Now, production didn't start until uh, October, so that was a little bit of a delay. It normally wouldn't be that long of a delay under normal circumstances, but because of the shortages, you had to go in and make a reservation, and that didn't mean that you were going to order your vehicle yet. It really didn't get to, to order it until a little bit later, actually fill out the specs that I wanted. But uh, production started on uh, October the 10th, and actually they started producing my uh, carbon, what is it, carbonized gray, Power Boost with the Platinum package on October 27th, so 17 days later after they started production. So uh, they built and shipped my vehicle on the 6th, and so that was several days ago. So how long will it take for it to, to get here? Well, I don't know. It's sitting. We can actually track these vehicles. We can see the actual physical location on a map where that vehicle is because they have the um, the cellular capabilities on the truck, so they can tap into that and, and tell you exactly where your vehicle is. And that's going to be nice when people order something. You can actually say it's on a truck headed here when it really is. Uh, we sold an F-450 the other day that, according to Ford, had not even arrived at our dealership yet. So, But we were looking at it, and it was here. And we called our representative, and she said, well, it's not supposed to be there. Well, it may not supposed to be here. But it's here, and we deliver it, but we could not report the delivery of the Ford because they still maintain the wild concept that it's not there. So how long did it take total? Well, from day one, it took 125 days, 18 weeks, four months to uh, get that vehicle from the day I put the order in. Um, you know, from, let's see, from production start until... Mine was built, though, it took 56 days. That's about eight weeks. We used to tell people it was six to eight weeks to get a vehicle when you ordered it. And if that was going to be the case, if we could rely on that, that would be great. 
but just like that F-450 I was telling you about, uh, it was ordered for over a year. And, um, and even when it came in, Ford didn't realize it. So that's a, a kind of a shift in production and a positive move as far as the chip shortage is concerned. We're still going to have chip shortages for a while, but it's getting better. Our Nissan inventory is really good right now, and Ford is getting better. We got uh, several Bronco Sports in. A couple Broncos. We got uh, six or eight Mavericks that came in. Now, unfortunately, for you know, if you're inter- interested in buying one, all of those were sold, but they had been sold orders. And uh, but we haven't really been able to build up any inventory, nor has any other Ford dealer in the world. Uh, you know, they're starting to come in a little bit, but the new model is going to be low inventories, about a 30-day supply. So everything that we get will sell within 30 days. And then, you know, during that month, we'll be getting more inventory in, but we will never have more than a 30 to maybe a 45-day supply of cars. Whereas before, you know, in previous years, um, it wasn't unusual for us to have a a two- and three-month supply, some cases four months, when they were the factories were really humming and we had too many vehicles in the order bank, more than we needed. We don't want to do that again because it's too expensive to carry the inventory out here. We have to pay floor plan interest. And uh, the manufacturer helps us with that a little bit, about uh, 60 days worth, and then it's on us. So we don't want to keep anything beyond that amount of time. On another note, I had a customer send me a text message, and you can do that too. I'll answer your questions. Uh, Cell phone number is 423-552-2020. They asked me about timing belt replacement on a Honda. Now, I don't know why the manufacturers decided to make the timing or to go from a timing chain to a timing belt. Maybe it was to save weight. Uh, Maybe they felt like this was just another way to sell more parts because people would have to replace their timing belts. A timing belt is kind of like a fan belt, except it's inside the engine. And basically, it connects two very important parts of the engine together. Uh, one is in the lower part of the engine, and that's where the pistons and the, the rods are connected to the crankshaft. Yeah, that's what it's called. It spins around in the heart of your engine, making the pistons go up and down inside the cylinders. Is that basic enough? I hope so. And so... Uh, There's another very important component, or two in many cases, and it's called the camshaft. And the camshaft basically is timed, and it opens up the valves, the exhaust valves and the intake valves. The intake valves allow air to get into the engine where it is mixed with fuel, and when the piston comes up, the spark plug goes off, and it ignites that mixture, and it forces the piston back down. That's where the power comes from. Well, the crankshaft and the camshaft, which is the other important part of the engine, have to be timed because the the camshaft is on the top of the engine. You may have two. They call that double overhead camshafts, and they are actually responsible for opening and closing the valves, which allow the air to get into the engine and the exhaust to get out. I hope I didn't confuse you too much. But anyway, the, uh, the crankshaft is connected to the camshaft by that belt. Now, if that belt breaks, the crankshaft will continue to spin, but the camshaft will go night-night, 
and the the uh, valves will just stay frozen in their open position. What happens when a piston comes up and connects with a valve? It destroys the valve and and will just end up destroying the engine. So that's why you change a timing belt. It's very important. On many cars, the timing belt doesn't have to be changed for like 60,000 miles. On other cars, it's 100,000 miles. This particular gentleman was driving a Honda, and I believe that the Honda recommends uh, at 100,000 miles. Matter of fact, I think they do 60,000 miles. He was at 100,000 miles, so he, he was pressing his luck. But if you haven't changed your timing belt, first you have to go online. If you want to know if your car has a timing belt that is serviceable, if you don't know how to go online, then call me, 423-552-2020, and I'll check it for you. But if you do, just go on and just put, does my uh, 2007 Chevy Lumina have a have a uh, timing belt? I can tell you now, no. But if it's an import car and some domestic cars, uh, mostly four-cylinders and some uh, sixes, uh, they do have... Uh, timing belts that have to be changed. What does it cost? Eh, anywhere from 200 to $700, depending on the make and how many timing belts you have. The belts aren't that expensive, but it's just labor. It's time. that, uh, And it depends on what the labor rate is in the dealership. You know, if I'm getting my vehicle serviced at a dealership, I'd like to know what their labor rate is. Because if it's really, really different from like another dealer that sells the same make, I might go somewhere else to get my vehicles worked on, especially when it's out of warranty. And see, the warranty, the manufacturer pays the dealer full retail price for everything, for parts and for labor. So when you take your vehicle in for a covered repair and the dealership is uh, fixing it under warranty, they're sending a bill to the manufacturer. You're not getting a bill. It's kind of like when you go to the doctor and you have a zero deductible plan. You go in and, you know, they do all this work on you. You come out and they say, what do I owe? And they say, you'll know anything. It's all covered by insurance. So you almost get that feeling that it's free. It's not. Somebody's paying that bill. It's your insurance company. Same thing with warranty. The, the warranty co- or the manufacturer, Ford in our case, Nissan in our case, is paying us uh, the retail price of parts and retail labor to fix your car. And then when your warranty runs out, you get to pay it. Isn't that fun? Unless you get, like, buy from a dealership that has a lifetime powertrain warranty like we do. And then that covers what? Yes, the powertrain. What is the powertrain? Well, that's everything that makes the car go that is lubricated. So let's say that the engine and all of its internal parts, if oil touches it, it's covered by a lifetime powertrain warranty internal uh, transmission components, the drive axles, you know, they're sitting there in all that grease and spinning around. They're covered. But what about your alternator or your radiator or your fuel injection system? Is that covered by a lifetime powertrain warranty? Well, it's on the engine, isn't it? Well, yeah, but it's not covered. So uh, understand your warranty. That's why some people buy extended warranties or Extended service contracts, which is what they're really referred to as, as is as. Um, yeah, you need to uh, check what, what's being covered by those plans because sometimes they say it's a bumper-to-bumper plan. I always thought it's funny they call it a bumper-to-bumper plan because it covers everything except the bumpers. It doesn't cover any of the paint or the trims, a lot of the electronics, you know, it, like the seat 
the leather on the seats are not covered. You know, if it's bumper to bumper, it sounds like everything between the bumpers is covered. But it's really not. So find out what is and is not covered. Even under the manufacturer's warranty, it's, they, they, they'll say that it's a three-year, 36,000-mile warranty, and it covers everything on the car. It doesn't. It doesn't cover maintenance items like air filters, brake pads. Well, I thought the brakes were covered. Well, they, everything on the braking system is, but the brake pads, sir, are a maintenance item. Read your owner's manual. If somebody talked to you like that, you probably ought to go someplace else. Okay, I'm going to take my last break, and I'll be back here in just a minute. You know, I just want to make your car life better. I want it to be less excruciating, even though you may feel some pain because, you know, none of this stuff is cheap. Uh, there are times when, you know, if you are out of warranty but close, if you have a good relationship with the dealer, you can get something covered, but not if you got it serviced somewhere else. Every time you got your oil changed, you went to you know where. I won't say. But you need to take it back to the dealership while it's under warranty for the, at least. But I, I think you ought to stick with them. You know, I think it makes sense because of the factory training, because of the equipment. Is it more expensive? Yeah, we probably have determined that it is. Now, you know, if you don't want to pay big money for or for OEM parts, original equipment parts, the dealers will give you the option to install aftermarket parts. They just won't stand behind the work. They'll stand behind, you know, the labor probably, but they're not going to stand behind the part. You know, if you insist on using, I don't know, Auto Depot parts or whatever the names of, I won't say, like Advance Auto Parts or O'Reilly's or something. They sell good parts, but they're aftermarket, and they're not. And the dealership is not going to stand behind it. If you use genuine Honda parts or genuine Toyota parts on your Toyota, then you've got a warranty that comes with that repair. Now, your car may be out of warranty, but that repair is covered. Like in our dealership, the repair is covered for a year on most parts. And a lot of the, the replacement components like radiators and transmissions and stuff like that, they have even longer guarantees. Like an engine can have a guarantee for three years or 36,000 miles, even though you're way out of warranty. I mean, you've got 150,000 miles on your vehicle. But that's the advantage of buying and getting the service work done at a new car dealership. And then, you know, as you get to know those people over the years, then they know your first name. And you walk in, you're not a stranger. You don't feel like you're just a number. And all of a sudden, it feels just as warm and cozy as the as Joe's repair shop at the corner. So, you know, give them a chance. Stick with them for a while. And if if they don't give you great service, complain. Tell them, you know, give them ideas to improve their service. I know I appreciate that. When, I, when my people mess up or I mess up, I want to know about it so that I can fix it because I don't want it to happen again. Okay, well, thanks for listening to this edition of My Car Guru. Reach out to me, 423-552-2020. I love helping people. And don't be afraid that, I, you know, that I'm some kind of big radio personality because I'm not. I just want to help you. This is my mission in life. And so let's, let's go with that. Uh, call me, 423-552-2020, or email me at lennylawson2020 at gmail.com or mycarguru2020 at gmail.com. Okay, we'll see you next time.